0: It is easy to have faith in God when things are easy, right? When the sun is shining, when the Easter lilies are blooming, when all is right and as it should be. I wonder if you can remember or imagine a day or a moment where that has been the case recently? Can you think of a time when everything has seemed right? When you were not bothered by the things that typically bother you? It's kind of a beautiful time of year, so it feels like being outside right now has been kind of a... a a retreat, maybe, um, from some of the dark gloominess of winter. I was outside yesterday um, and Caleb had hurt his foot, so I was out with the scissors and two bowls and I was cutting comfrey because he's, I don't know, becoming an herbologist, I guess, and he's like, I need comfrey for my foot. So I was out there cutting comfrey to make tea for his foot, and uh, I was also cutting these little pieces of lettuce <clears throat> that were growing, so kale and lettuce and spinach in the garden, and I was putting them in one bowl and the comfrey in the other, and uh, Caleb has also decided um, that he's not going to mow the backyard apparently anymore, so uh, the backyard is just like this tall, um, but it's like, Wildflowers, flowers, you know, there are a lot of flowers, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, my allergies are killing me, but I'm not sure they're worse than the grass allergies would be if you actually cut the yard, so I was like, okay, I'm going to cut some flowers while I'm here, too, so I got some flowers for the table, I got lettuce that I made a salad with for dinner, and I was getting this comfrey for Caleb's foot and then it was just this beautiful day, beautiful weather, and like the sun is shining through the trees, and I look down before I head back up to the house, and there's just a deer walking through the back of the the yard. <laughs> I'm like this is a quite a beautiful moment, you know. If I could just get rid of all the rest of the things that are going on in my life and just live here in this moment for ever. <laughs> Um, Except for the foot part, I guess. Um. (laughs) Uh, So, anyway, I've been having a hard time lately, though, finding moments like these. Um, So, like our song says, like, I want to live in the house of the Lord. I want these green pastures, and I want these quiet waters, but it's like, you know... I kind of got issues with that. I got issues with uh, this psalm because there is so much unrest in in my life, it feels like, and, and really in, in our world, and I suspect in your lives as well. Um, when I'm not worried about this illness or that illness, having young kids, it's always an illness, um, you know, I'm worried about a family member or a friend who's facing a hard situation or in a difficult circumstance. And even when all of my friends and family seem okay and I seem okay and no one is sick, there's thin pressures for work or, or uh, school or my kids' school or there's something always going on. Um, for example, I thought I would share... A few of the things that I've been thinking about and doing this week. So, uh, let's see. To start, I, you know, our family had the flu the week before Easter. Since then, I have been in pretty much constant tooth pain. And it's not like one tooth, it's like my whole mouth, or at least the side of my mouth. And so this week, I was finally like, I wonder if I've like broken a tooth in the root and I have like an infection. I was like, I need to make a dentist appointment. So I made a dentist appointment. It's not until next Wednesday. And I was like, Remembering this time that Jen had a tooth abscess and she was like, it was life-threatening and I was like Googling, like, how long should I wait before it becomes life-threatening? Like, am I going to make it to the dentist in time? This is just the things that self-preservation types worry about. Um, So I'm like, oh, am I going to make it to the dentist in time before this becomes life-threatening? And that's one thing. And then I've been thinking about being a mother, not because it's Mother's Day, uh, but rather because of all of just the conflict and news and protests, this ongoing clash about abortion rights that's going on right now. Um, it's just been really thinking about that and, you know, watching and. <clears throat> and uh, let's see, what else? <clears throat> oh, yeah, so this person that I would, probably the only person in my life right now, well, there's a couple, but I might would call an enemy, (laughs) emailed me and asked to have coffee this week. So I've been thinking about that, and uh, it really puts a new light on this psalm, like God prepares a table in the presence of my enemies, (laughs) Um, and kind of feeling all the feelings about that. Um, and then on Thursday, uh, the, our, we, got a princ- we got a phone call from the pr- principal of my kid's school that said, a teacher found a note on the playground from whoever, someone in the neighborhood, that was threatening to come and do a shooting at the school tomorrow. So that was on Thursday. So then on Friday... I mean, it was all the talk Thursday night, but then on Friday, we ended up keeping our kids home from school. And then, you know, really, I'm still worried about that some because they have field day tomorrow, so they're all going to be, like, out in the yard in the open, and are they going to have the uh, extra security then? And let's see, I saw a mock-up of a nuclear weapon uh, it, you know, exploding over the country of England on my news feed, and I uh, got the news that the uh, law that makes it a felony to sleep on public property in the state uh, was not vetoed by the governor, so it actually becomes law on July 1st. And then oh, I also went to one bank this week to withdraw money to put it in another bank account because it needed it because uh, all of this inflation, extra medical expenses, taxes due, uh, I needed to move some money around. So that's, that's just this week. That was just a handful of things this week. So, you know, it's no wonder that quiet waters, green pastures, Yeah, what? Oh, the power, I didn't actually, I'm like over power outages, I'm like just accept them as a thing. Yeah, the power did go out on Friday too, but it was more like a fun thing for us, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah, didn't, We, we also bought like a battery backup like two years ago, whenever the power went out many times, so I'm not like super worried about the power going out. Uh, because, again, self-preservation, so <laughs> preparing. Okay, so all these, this, this psalm, Psalm 23, the most famous psalm, right? Like, I, was, I said, Carl, you could probably quote that psalm if you wanted to because um, it's so famous, And but these quiet waters, these green pastures, they sound great, but I have issues because I feel like I'm kind of stuck under a rock. Uh, hidden from this shepherd that is supposed to be so good. If God is my shepherd, then why have things gotten so bad? Where are the quiet waters? Where are the green pastures? Our passage may be Psalm 23, but I'm more in Psalm 22, if you know what I mean. Okay. Okay. If you haven't memorized the whole Psalter, I'll go, I'll, I'm going to read part of Psalm 22 so that you can see this psalm that comes right before. Here's how it starts. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and in you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They sneer at me, they shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord, let him deliver, let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And since my mother bore me, you have been my God." Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls encircle me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravaging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast, and my mouth is dried up. Like a pot sherd, no idea what that is, so if any of you want to Google that. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They bind my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. This beloved and well-known Psalm 23 is supposed to be one of comfort, right? But if we really read the Psalm, we see there's actually something else there as well. For one thing... For one thing, when God is our shepherd, there are dark valleys. It's part of it. It's a part of the psalm. It's given. And Psalm 23 is preceded by Psalm 22. And you have to think that the people who compiled the, the Psalter did so in an intentional way. That even though God sets a table for our well being, in Psalm 23, it is also in front of our enemies, and therefore our enemies must also be at the table. Oh, and we have enemies. This Psalm of Comfort takes it for granted that there are dark valleys and that we have enemies. And I think it's really hard to engage in this psalm until we can identify for ourselves some dark valleys and until we can identify for ourselves some enemies. Because until then, like many very famous parts of Scripture, it is just kind of skims the surface because we've heard it so many times. How can we go very deep? And so um, we're going to take... We're going to take five minutes, um, and you can do this at your tables, this first one, or you can do this individually. It's up to you. Um, No pressure either way. Um, And you can use the back of your handout if you want to, uh, to think through maybe what are some of your dark valleys in your life right now, or who are your enemies? Um, Can you identify them? Let's not be general. Let's try to be specific because I think the more specific, the more helpful this can be. So if you're talking about this is gonna defame others, maybe do this on your own. <laughs> uh, but it is good to identify them, perhaps. Um, and then come back together. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like uh, ding this thing when this first question time is up and then we'll come back together and you can talk at your table for these two questions. Generally, um, so discuss at your table generally, if need be, what the rest of the psalm has to say about dark valleys and enemies. What do you think the psalmist is doing with the psalm? These questions are in your handout. And then the last thing to discuss is, finally, psalms were a part of worship for the people of God in ancient times, like modern music is today. What role does music, poetry, liturgical worship play in our lives today and as a part of the church? What do you think this psalm is trying to do for the congregation who included it as a part of their worship in ancient times? Okay, so you're going to have about five minutes for the first question and probably... 10 minutes for the second question so it's not a big rush you have all the time you need um and if you want to spread out for the first question you can or if you want to discuss at a table so feel free to get up get more coffee if that helps you um or tea and i'll do that when it's time to transition to a group I'm going to pull you all back in, especially you at the coffee table. I just want to share a couple of things um, that stood out to me as I sort of read and prayed over this psalm this time. It's always new things every time. Um, So the first thing uh, that stood out to me is that uh, this imagery of the shepherd and the sheep uh, permeates the Bible. Like, it's both uh, the profession of uh, multiple of the main characters in the Bible, they are shepherds, right, Uh, to this sort of analogy that's used so much in the prophets uh, about what it means to be a political or a social leader of the people of God. Uh, These leaders are always being compared to shepherds. So you've got actual shepherds as like so many main characters being a profession, and then you've got these political and social leaders. And then you have... All of these passages where God is compared to a shepherd, including the ones we have today. Taken together, um, to be a shepherd is sort of to have this responsibility for a group of people, to care for them, to comfort, or, or animals, I guess, to comfort, feed them, provide for them, um, to offer comfort and justice. The great hope of the Old Testament is that God would actually send a shepherd that would care for God's people with love and justice. And the great revelation of the New Testament is that Jesus is God with us, the Good Shepherd In whom was and is the hope of the world. As we look around at faithless political leaders, greedy business owners, and their multi billion dollar Twitter deals, we do not see shepherds like the shepherd that the Bible describes. And this is troubling, right? It is the plight of Psalm 22 that we face. And it is also the prerequisite for Psalm 23. We must realize our need. We must see the lack before we can pray, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. To the lack, to the not lacking, is what the good shepherd does. The chaotic waters to the still ones is what the good shepherd does. The dead pastures to the green ones, that's what the good shepherd does. When we look with eschatological vision, with the vision of how this looks in the future when God's reign is whole and fulfilled, we see in our New Testament reading, every nation, tribe, People and language gathered together around the throne of the one who will shepherd them with love and justice. We see this hope, the purpose of this psalm and its place in worship as, at times, a reminder of the past places where God has delivered us. The past pastures that God has brought us to and the past still waters God has brought us by. So um, it was like this moment last week when I broke away from all the chaotic waters (laughs) and I went to find some peaceful ones. And so, my, one of my regular spots is to go hiking at Radnor Lake and to hike the lake trail because it's just this pretty two mile trail. And as I was hiking this trail, uh, I'm actually on the road part and no one is around me. And suddenly, a bald eagle swoops out of the sky, grabs a fish out of the water, and then flies off into the hills. It's like, I mean, and I'm like looking around like, who saw that? No one saw it. It was like just me. Like I, the next person I saw was like, did you see that? And they were like, no, what happened? It's amazing, right? Like, like it was this moment where everything was right in the world. But this, the psalm is not just to remind us of the moments when God has been present, where there has been peace, but it's also to remind us that God is present in the midst of the shadows, in the midst of the dark valleys and the depths, depths, in the very places where God's presence seems most absent. This psalm is a statement of faith that God is present there too. And that when God comes, God is Emmanuel, God with us, through thick and thin, when we feel God and when we don't. It is these kinds of statements of faith, our faith set to song, set to rhythm, set to lyric, that remind us that God is there even though it doesn't seem to be the case. Okay, for you who are into it, which I only know Melanie is into this, so maybe some of you are into this too. I have like some fill in the blanks. You're welcome to fill them in if you want to, no pressure. Um, So the second thing I wanna share is the three C's. I know this is so old school. The three C's of what it is like when God's is present. Do you not see it? You don't have it. Okay, just kidding. You can write down them if you want. I thought it was in there. Just kidding. Don't worry about it. Okay, the three C's. It still works because you can remember the three C's. Okay, so what happens when God is present? When God is present, we learn from Psalm 23 that we receive care. Uh, the grass and the quiet, uh, the, quiet pa- sorry, the quiet waters and the green pastures become, in the second part of the psalm, You can see it as two different metaphors if you want, or the same one if you want. It's kind of like up to you. Uh, The green pastures and the quiet waters become the table and the overflowing cup in the second part of the psalm. The restored soul in the first part becomes the reconciliation of eating with our enemies in the second part of the psalm. So when God is present... There is a kind of care for us, individually and personally. I think of the part, the scripture where uh, Jesus talks about a shepherd who leaves the 99 to go and find the one. There's this kind of individual care. The second C is that when God is present, we have community. You could also call this um, Connection or communion, depending on what word sounds feels right for you. But there's this sense that we actually are in relationship with this shepherd. The psalmist actually, in two parts of the psalm, says, "You." It's this dramatic shift. You, I forget where it is, but maybe you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You might check it out. Um, there's this dramatic shift of the way that the psalmist is talking that we actually are in relationship with this good shepherd and that we are in right relationship with them. Secondly, we have community because when we sit down in the house of God, we live with, fight with, and apparently reconcile with our enemies in this house. That we are able to have communion, community, or connection, with both God and everyone else in this house, we are also able to have community with ourselves. And we find that we, we find peace in that we find peace <laughs> in these connections with each other and with God. So finally, the last C is that we also receive commendation. Okay, this is kind of a funny one, right? Okay, not only is this kind of like the hardest one to see, but it's also a funny word. So uh, the dictionary says that to commend is to entrust for care or provision. It's kind of similar to the word shepherd, right? To entrust for care or provision. And number two, to recommend as worthy of confidence or notice. So this is a little bit vaguer, but but here's the thing. In the psalm, there, we actually have a place at the table. Our presence matters. There's a space has been made for us and our unique callings, and we are able to bring all of who we are to the table. And that is honor. <laughs> Secondly, you might notice, uh, we are anointed with oil. There's this anointment of oil, which those of you who are know the Bible well, know that that often is a sign of um, when kings are anointed, they are anointed with oil, there's a sign of honor, this this sign of, of calling, of God's work that's happening in this moment, this anointing with oil. And then finally, at the end of the psalm, we find that we get to live in God's house forever, a part, a permanent, wholly important part of God's household. Okay, so when God, so God is present, God is present in the good times, and God is present when it doesn't seem like God is present at all, and God's presence means care, God's presence means community, and God's presence means commendation, so the last thing I want to say about this psalm is that it is just so, so, so disappointing, beyond belief, That, to me personally, maybe not to you, that we just are always on this tightrope of finding balance, right, like in our lives. We're always like on this tightrope of like, oh, we need to change this, we need to fix this to find balance. It's always this, we're just always trying to walk that line. And so in this last line of the psalm, there is this beautiful, beautiful image Welcome back, kids. I'm just finishing up. Find, a, find a, a seat with your parents. There's this beautiful image in this last line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them come in. I'm just going to pause a moment. And then, kids, I am almost finished. And this part is for you, too, okay? So find a seat with your parent. Um, okay, so balance. Kids, you guys have balance, right? Yeah, you got it. kids are good at everything. Um, so this last line in Psalm 23, anyone, any kids know what the last line in Psalm 23 is? Raise your hand if you know. If you know. Do you know? Nah, Okay. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, this is a terrible translation. There is not a good translation of this, because the words used in this last line are actually so, so weighty, so, so significant throughout the whole Bible for the people of God. The first word, goodness, is actually the word that God uses in the creation narrative to talk about each thing that God creates being good. It, it doesn't actually mean good as much as it means appropriate. It is right. It fits the purpose it was designed for. I might call it balance today. Tov is the word in Hebrew. The second word, mercy, often translated, actually it's better in this translation in your handout, is the word hesed. Hesed is, is like the covenant faithfulness God promises to Abram. It is like God's, it is the strongest word of faithfulness that we have in the Bible. It is like this very strong, I will be with you, faithfulness. So this very last line is basically balance and and covenant faithfulness of my presence will what? Follow you? No. Also a terrible translation. It's actually like pursue. It's like what the word you use, if someone is attacking someone, they would say that person was pursuing almost violently, violently pursuing something. So get this, the goodness, the tov, the appropriateness, the balance, and the covenant faithfulness, the promise, the presence of God will violently pursue you all the days of your life. Oh, and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man! Psalm 23 is no comfortable psalm because it does suggest that the way to balance is that God is present with us in the dark valleys and in the green pastures. And it's through surrendering ourselves to God that we are able to be good shepherds in our own lives. And I pray this morning that this psalm may be for us an act of faith, a reminder in dark times to ourselves and to each other that to believe... Despite all evidence to the contrary, that God is present, that God cares for, provides communion, community, connection with, and our commendation, and that God's covenant faithfulness and balance will pursue us all the days of of our lives, and that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May it be in our lives as the psalmist has written. Amen. Okay. What's next?